Turn with me to uh, 1 Chronicles, chapter 16. We're going to take a look at, uh, in particular, uh, a a large passage, uh, verse 7 through about verse 36. We're looking at really a a song that was written. And 1 Chronicles is such a uh, a powerful, uh, really, narrative of past events. It's important that you understand a little bit of the historical setting because what we're going to be looking at in chapter 16 is a remembrance of a key event that happened in Israel's life. And of course, this is the time when David became king following the death of Saul. And as they recaptured, because you remember there was a big war against the Philistines, they recaptured uh, Jerusalem and then they went back in and then David commanded that the Ark of the Covenant, which contains the Ten Commandments, would be brought in. And you might recall, you know, a lot of us remember he danced in front of the Ark as it was led in, and really he worshipped God. What's interesting to note is that at the time Chronicles was written, it was really about 500 years later, because Chronicles was written as an historical narrative of what happened. It's kind of like, remember, have you ever said these words, hey, remember back in the day? Right Back in the day, that kind of we sometimes say that. Well, that is what's happening here in Chronicles. Chronicles is back in the day to remember. But here's what's important. Is at the time that Chronicles was being written, there's a very powerful purpose in what's going on. Because Israel at this time had been taken captive by the Babylonian Empire. The Persians came in and wiped out the Babylonians. And so now Israel, which was under the, you know, uh, you know, they were really enslaved by the Babylonians. Now the Persians took over, and now they became really under their uh, uh, control. The difference, of course, was, which was interesting, is for the, the Persians, they had a different foreign policy. The Babylonians, they basically said, we're taking you out of your country, out of your homeland, and you're gonna, we're going to move you to a foreign place. Well, the Persians, they had a different form of uh, foreign government uh, control and the way they operated. So they said, okay, Israel, you can go back to the land that you were from. And so we're going to be a little nicer to you than the Babylonians. You're still going to be under our control, but you can go back home and live. So basically, if you could imagine someone came and dragged you out of your home and said, okay, you're going to live for the next five or six decades over in eastern Washington, right, where it's just hot and miserable. And then all of a sudden, someone took over and said, okay, now you can go back home to Kitsap County where it's beautiful and it's cool and relaxing. And now you, and, and life changes again. That's kind of what happened here. And what's happening for us is the telling of the story of hope. Because here is a people that really this word is addressing that they needed hope again. They were stressed out. They were overwhelmed. I mean, they had been taken captive, and, and they were traded in their captivity. And then, of course, the, the original story, when you look, which we're going to look at, when David becomes king and they recapture you know, the city of Jerusalem. Again, there's so much going on. And when I looked at this and I thought, wow, this is talking about today. Because the people of God needed encouragement. They needed to keep their faith going in the midst of everything that was going on. They needed to refocus. 
They needed to put their attention back on the hope. And just like we were singing, the promises of God. They need to remember that there would come again a king from the royal line of David. Because here they were under the captivity of the Persian government, and they're wondering, what would happen next? And of course, you and I know that a king would come. His name is Jesus. And really, this story of Chronicles directly connects to that. Even though this was thousands of years ago, this is an event that speaks to you and I today. I love the fact that we see this amazing moment when David orders the Ark of the Covenant that contains the commandments of God, the Ten Commandments, to be brought into the city. Why? To be worshipped, to be loved, and to be honored. Not the Ark, but the God who created the Ark. And what David is saying, if you will worship God, life will change. The word today is that simple. If you would worship God, if you would do battle using worship with God, your life would change. A lot of the circumstances that you and I are under, the stresses of life, you're saying, what do I do with the stresses of life? How do I handle all the things of the pandemic? I have an answer. Worshiping God. I'm like you. I'm tired of the pandemic. I'm ready for it to go away. And yet we keep hearing about all the things of politics and economics and the pandemic and all these things, right? What do you do? What does Israel face similar things? What do they do? Here it is. Worship God. That is the most important thing we can do as followers of Jesus. We pick it up at verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 16. It says, they brought the ark of God, placed it inside the special tent David had prepared for it, and they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings. That's their way of saying they worshiped God. When they had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave to every man and woman in all of Israel a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. We got a check. Oh, you get that, okay. <laughs> David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord to invoke his blessings, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. They were so excited to be home, and they were so overwhelmed to be home. And I often think that is our story today. We can relate a little bit because we've been away, we come home, and it can feel like, as Israel felt, they were surrounded literally by enemies on all sides. There were nations all around Israel at the time of David, at the time of the, obviously in the Persian occupation, they were surrounded by people who wanted to stop them from doing something very important, to have unified worship. The same thing's true today. If there's anything of an enemy around us, its goal is to stop us from having unified worship, to keep us separate from one another. That's why being on Facebook and YouTube, being here together, all in real time together, worshiping real time together is dynamic because it brings about the unity of faith that is so critical in any battle that any people face. Anytime you have been given a mission, 
you've been involved in the military, you know about missions, you know unity, being on the same course, having the same plan, is so important to the success of that mission. The mission of the enemy was to steal away, kill, or destroy hope and faith, unity and confidence. But if we choose to love and worship the Lord in the face of our troubles, I want you to hear this. If you choose, this is your choice. If you choose to love and worship, and I want to marry together, loving God, worshiping God, same thing. Loving God, worshiping God, same thing. You know what? God can refresh you, renew you, and restore you. When I think of the pandemic, it has stolen my breath. It's, I feel like it's taken fresh air out of my lungs. How am I going to breathe again? God spoke to me. Worship me. And I will pump in new oxygen into your soul. I will bring in a new breath. Loving God, period. Loving people, period. Together, period, is going to make all the difference in the world. That's not some cute idea. It is the truth of the Word of God that's going to get us through what I believe is going to be the next year or two in order for us to move forward. When you work hard spiritually, you need to be cleansed. You know, we talk about the body of Christ. It's a body, just like you have a body. What happens if you work your body hard? What happens if you get out there and you mow the lawn and you weed the, you know, you weed the garden and you till the soil and you plant the corn and you're out there doing all this hard work and you, you work all day long? What happens to your body? You perspire. And when you perspire, you stink. <laughs> and what do you need to do? You need a shower. You need to pour water over the body so it can be washed clean. Isn't it fascinating that the Word of God uses the concept and the metaphor of water for the washing of and the cleansing of the soul of a human being? Look what it says in Ezekiel. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you of all your filthiness of all your stinkiness. And then it says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. So Chronicles 16 is fresh air. It's oxygen that we need to breathe. It's our life support. Can I tell you something? God is doing amazing things right now. There's evidence of what God is doing. In the last five months, we, and we keep track of this stuff, based on what we've been able to look at and keep track of, we have had 46 human beings receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. And the, yeah, amen. You know, and they're with us. They're just kind of all spread out, which is kind of the frustration that, again, because of the pandemic. And then on top of that, we've been keeping track of all the ministry that we've been able to do, and we've been able to identify our ministry of prayer of healing, of all the things that we do to help one another, we, we've been able to pray for over 260 people in the last six months. Can you see a minute of that? That's 260 people that have come 
and, and we've been able to say, we are, this isn't just like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. This is actual ministry taking place to 260 human beings. Now, when that's happening, you know something's going on. And I want you to begin to understand that this is why we want to proclaim to the world around us that we love God. Look at verse 8. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He's done. Sing to Him. Yes, sing His praises. Tell everyone about His wonderful deeds. Exalt in His holy name. I love that. Exalt in His holy name. Rejoice you who what? Worship the Lord. So here is something that you and I do as part of our refreshing. We're being instructed to proclaim to all the world, I love God. Let me tell you why. At the church I'm attending, 46 people just received Jesus. And I want to let, it says, let the whole world know what he has done. What God does is not a secret. It should never be kept a secret, but proclaimed with an excitement and a joy like you might have to a team that you love wins, or to the idea of something that happens in your life you're so excited about, you can't wait but to tell people about what just happened. Now listen, that's our refreshing. When you start doing that, you will be refreshed, you'll be redeemed. God will do a renewing power in us. If you don't do that, let me be clear, then it won't happen. So this is something that we're being instructed on. As you worship, and as we come together and worship, the whole world knows this. I mean, it's pretty clear, right? We are out there in, obviously, social media for anyone to see us and know that we worship God. That is a testimony to the entire world. You know, this was something that the Chronicles was writing to the nation of Israel that while they were under, at this time, under the Persian Empire, here's what this passage is saying. Even though you're under the hand of another nation, you should know this. You are still a significant people with a powerful testimony even to the enemies around you. Don't ever stop speaking the truth of who God is to even those who oppose you or disagree with you. But to continue to speak with power and might the truth because our worship is loving God out loud. And we need to be loud. It goes on in verse 10. Number one, glory in his holy name. Number two, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Number three, Look to the Lord and his strength. And number four, seek his face always. Powerful word there, really telling us what do we need to do? It says it twice. Seek the Lord in worship. First of all, remember, you have access to God anytime you want. It doesn't just happen in here. It happens 24-7, anywhere, anytime. The problem is, and I'm going to be blunt with you, is we don't, we don't access God regularly. Somehow we need some special circumstance where we're going to access God. And we don't live, and here's something, this is my prayer and hope as your pastor, it always has been since I've been here, that worship would be a lifestyle. 
not an occasional event, but an actual lifestyle where we focus on Jesus, we focus and are centered on the Lord our God, and we battle with worship. You know, the fight that we have, we fight by worshiping God. I do not want weekend warriors. I want 24-7 God's army ready to go, living this lifestyle, doing the things of giving thanks and certainly singing and giving glory and worshiping. Because when we do that, listen, loving God is always going to be incomplete without also worshiping God. You cannot totally love God and decide not to worship Him. Now remember last week we took the lid off worship. There are all kinds of different ways to worship. Let me be clear. Singing is not the only way to worship God. Music is good. Singing is good. But so are all the other ways that we spoke of last week of how we worship God. If you're, you didn't hear that, man, go back and listen. Because there are numerous ways that we can worship God. Now, when we worship God, we worship what God has done. Here is what I believe is important, that we will always remember and we will never forget the things God has done. I want to encourage you to never, ever forget. Always remember. When I walked out of the synagogue that I attended and my family went to when I was growing up, over the wall was a very powerful statement. It said, we will never forget. Underneath it, the six million. Every time I walk by that wall, it is, it, I can see it made out in kind of like metal artwork with a declaration, we will never forget. Now that's a part of me because of my background, but I want that to be a part of you because I don't want us to ever forget the amazing things that God has done the amazing works that he has, deliverances, the salvation, the healing, because we cannot afford to ever forget. Because the world would like us to forget. So that's why you have verse 12, critical. Remember the wonders he has performed. Remember his miracles. Remember the rulings he has given. You children of, the, of his servant Israel, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. You are his chosen ones. And we are called to remember what? Wonders, miracles, rulings. What's a wonder? Well, a wonder is an act that God has done that you have this thought in your brain. How in the world did he do that? <laughs> like the party of the Red Sea. Huh? How did he do that? You know, you think about the wonders of the resurrection. How, how is it that Jesus is alive? How did he do that? When you think about some of the amazing wonders, we're to remember those wonders. Part of your worship is to consciously, cognitively remember a wonder of God in your life. Because God's done wonders. And God's done miracles. A miracle is something that happens that's unexplainable. You know, again, back then, when the Chronicles were written, they're thinking, you know, the, the, death, the angel of death that passed over the houses with, you know, the lamb's blood over the doorposts, no one died. Miracle. 
Uh, the idea, remember Elijah? Oh, I love Elijah. When Remember the fire came down and totally soaked up everything of the water and everything in the, in the altar? Remember, we just talked about that story not too long ago. That's a miracle. And then the, the rulings. These are the things that God has done. What's a ruling? A ruling of God would be something like he ruled over Sodom and Gomorrah. And obviously the cities were destroyed. Now, God's rulings are something that we may not understand or even agree to, but they still are rulings that we remember because it reminds us of what? The power of God. The consequences of living outside of God's boundaries. We remember his rulings and then we worship God. We worship God with wonders. We worship God with miracles. We worship God with rulings. What's a wonder of God in? Can anyone think of a wonder of God in your life that you can remember? Has, there ever, has, has God ever done a wonder and you go, wow? Can anyone give me a wonder? The birth, me, of my son. the birth of your son. How many times when, you, when you're right there in the room and the doctor hands you the child, your son, and you go, that's a wonder? Yes, absolutely. Powerful moments would also be a wonder for you. Any other wonders you think God did a wonder thing? Yeah. Healing, Healing what? Eczema. Healing you of eczema. That was, that was a miracle. Yes, so that would be a miracle of God that he healed. Absolutely. Other miracles of God? Did God do a miracle? Yep. How does he take, first of all, that seed that doesn't even look like a tomato plant becomes a tomato plant and on top of that multiplies. That's a wonder and a miracle. See, when you start thinking that way, you're worshiping. See, sometimes we think, oh, give me a song. I'm giving you another way of worshiping God's when you start thinking about planting a seed and you get tomatoes. God heals and I, you can think of how God healed Eden of just a disease, miraculous, and you think, God, you are amazing. Now, when you start doing that, when you think of, well, 46 people received Jesus, what a, a wonder, what a, a miracle of life. You are now worshiping God. And for those of us maybe don't enjoy our voices as much while singing, this is great worship. <laughs> But that's, that's our worship later. Thank you. That's right. We said that last week. You remember. We, a lot of us, some of you sing, the rest of us make noise. Can you say amen to that? Yes, thank you. So we worship remembering God's love for us because God always loves us. Look at verse 14. He is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. Remember his covenant forever. The commitment he made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant he made with Abraham. An oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree. And to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. Now, you've got to realize that this is a very powerful statement. We're talking about an Old Testament covenant, the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
The minute you talk about that, it connects you to the New Testament covenant of Jesus. And what we have here is a clear statement of promise. And what this is saying is that God has promised to you and I forever love. God will forever love you. His covenant is a statement that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what he made through Jesus Christ. And he is saying, here is truth. I will forever love you as my children, even when you behave badly. Every parent understands this. Every now and then, our children behave badly. But we still love them. I will never forget the first time one of my boys, behaving badly, looked at me and said, Dad, I hate you. I looked at him and said, but I love you. And he looked at me, but I hate you. (laughs) And I said, go to your room. (laughs) Why does God listen to us, even when we treat him poorly? And every one of us has treated him poorly. Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. You've got to remember, when you come to worship, you worship God. I think a lot of us show up because we think we'll get something out of it. Worship is not about what we get. Worship is about what we give. Unfortunately, how often do I hear people talk about going to a worship service and really wanting something for them? Now, there's nothing wrong. In God's peace, there's nothing wrong in what God does. by Because when you're in his presence, it changes everything. But what ends up happening is we make a mistake and we shift into a gear that somehow worship, going to worship service, going to some, let's say, uh, activity like that, is what I need to get rather than realizing who it is we're worshiping. Because think about it, when you make that shift, who's it about? Now you're dealing with your selfishness. You're dealing with your manipulative nature that is now moving towards the idea that you have to have something in order for you to be okay, rather than simply worshiping God because of who he is. Could you worship God if he never did anything else in your life? Well, be careful before you say, yeah, I I get that. But is that a real answer? Do you... Is that real for you? He said in verse 19 this. He said, when you were few in number, a tiny group of strangers in Kitsap County, oh, I'm sorry, in Cana, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. Yet he did not let anyone oppress them. He warned kings on their behalf, do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets. What is this telling us? God cares. This is a clear word that God cares. He always cares. He cared back then. He cared for the outcasts. He cared for the weak. He cared for people who feel invisible. He cared for those who society may have rejected. He cares for all people. He cares for people because he loves his creation. And we've got to remember who God is. So worship is when we do this together, is loving God. 
knowing that God loves us. And when we worship, it's a holy splendor. The next passage is so, the next 10 verses, I, I want, I'm, I'm excited to read these to you because of how, it's, it's just the amazing part of this song. Would you listen and enjoy it? Starting in verse 23 of First Chronicles 16. <clears throat> Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day, proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nation. Tell everyone about the amazing things he has done. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. Nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let the earth tremble before him. Let the world stand fair, stand firm, and it cannot be shaken. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Tell all the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and the crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the field rustle with praise. For the Lord is coming to judge the earth. That passage and that final statement of the Lord coming to judge is the absolute first time in all of Scripture when it's revealed there will be a second coming of the Lord to the earth. That passage directly connects to the return of Jesus Christ. Would you note the words of action related to worship? Do you see that? Singing, proclaiming, publishing, telling, recognizing, giving, bringing, coming, worshiping, trembling, being glad, rejoicing, shouting, bursting out, praising. All of these are the actions of worshiping our God. This is real, genuine worship. And it's something that happens all day long. We allow it to be a part of our lives from the time we get up to the time we go to bed. And then we start all over again every day. When you and I feel that we are at battle with temptation, addiction, disease, fear, anxieties, depression, when we are dealing with him, we feel, God, I need courage, I need strength, I need confidence, then worship God. That may mean that you will sing a song it may mean you'll start remembering the wonders and the miracles and the rulings of God. And as you start doing that, all of a sudden, everything will change. Even in the midst of really difficult stuff, it works in my life. I have done this for decades. 
And the times when I find myself failing are the times when I have forgotten to worship God. Taking that time where, for me, powerful worship is when I remember. For me, processing in my brain the things of God are some of the most powerful moments I have when I reflect on all the good things God has done in my family's life, in the church's life. And then whatever I'm going through, all of a sudden, starts getting balanced and the perspective will change. You know, there's a big difference between prayer, praise, and worship. Think about this. When you pray, it's all about you. You ask God for your needs. When you praise, it's still about you because you want his blessings. You praise him because there's blessings. But when you worship, it's all about God. And that's when it's different. It tells us in verse 34, God's love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God, of your salvation. Gather and rescue us from among the nations, so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people shouted, Amen. And all the people shouted, Amen. And they praised the Lord. I believe if we don't worship, we will forget who we are. We can never forget who we are and who we belong to.